Windshield time again. New studio, also known as my buddy Josh's car as we're rolling back from fucking Chicago for the uh, Nashville Restaurant Association show. Studio sounds different. You ever realize your car sounds like an airplane? It sounds terrible. It's very rattly. Not rattly. Just like that hum sounds like an airplane engine. It's got know? a wheel bearing going out. That's what is that, that what it is? Yeah. Is that the hum? I know what the CV joint sounds like whenever you're <laughs> having a Chevy Beretta. Like Everybody has to have had that car. Did you have a Beretta? I didn't have a Beretta, but the Did you have the Corsica? Joint. The four-door Corsica? I didn't, but I feel like all my friends... I didn't ever experience it, but all my friends had a car with the CV joint going on. Yeah. What was your car in high school? A 1964 Rambler station wagon. Uh, it, in, the, in the world of weird coincidences that my sister and your sister both managed Orange Theory Fitnesses, my car was a 1964 Impala. Nice. Yeah. Just two or four-door. Four-door wagon. Nice. I always wanted a '64 Impala wagon. I wanted were really cool. But yeah, my Impala, dude. You could get like um, you could get four people in the front seat and five in the back seat. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Party in the car. Mine yeah. turned into a giant bed. Yeah, that, that's yeah. That, they knew what they were doing back in the day. Now we can afford babies. a hotel room. That's what they did. A lot of babies were made. Yeah. In my car. Did, what kind of seats you have? Cloth or vinyl? Both. They were cloth and vinyl. Really? Yeah, they had the uh, vinyl. Well, they had the strip down the center yes. that was cloth. Oh, it's like, oh man, that that was somebody put that in there that didn't want you to date their daughter. Because <laughs> if you had like all vinyl, you could armor all of it, just go around the corner and she would slide all the way over. Like, That's see. smart. I know. I thought it was too. It was a coincidence. Because mine did. Did you have seatbelts? Yeah. Really? It was. Uh, I think it was '68 when they had a mandatory. Mine was uh, '64. Lap belt. Didn't even have lap belts. Mine didn't have shit on it. It was like a. You had, I like how they made you. Uh, you had to pay extra for seatbelts. <laughs> if you or your family don't want to go through the fucking windshield, you're gonna have to pay extra. It's an option. Yeah, it's an option. <laughs> it just makes me think about when they had. Uh, they didn't have tempered glass. How many people were just dying? Oh my god, that's were so just scary. Shattering all over the place. It's, it's like, like sharp knives in the face. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you imagine just like when a bird hits your windshield now, and all those back when they had it like that were just flat. They weren't even like curved where the bird could go over the car. It was just flat, so if anything ran it, it was just gonna shatter glass in everybody's face. You know? You ever watch that uh, Adam Runs Everything on Netflix? I do. I do you do. see the one on automobiles? It's a little leftist for me, but I do like yeah. it. The one on automobiles was good because he was talking about how everybody used to just walk in the streets and everything, yeah. and then cars came around and they started ruling where you can't walk in the streets. Jaywalkers. Yeah. Turns yeah. out Jay is a very derogatory name. Really? Yeah, it's like the N word. Really? It was anyway. Huh. That's a walker. There's a really? lot. It'd be like yeah. the N word walker saying that now. Awkward. Yeah, super awkward. Yeah. It's funny how things <laughs> stick and things go. Oh, I know. What was another one? It's like the. You ever the story about the Brooklyn Dodgers? Uh huh. The reason why they started the why they call them Brooklyn Dodgers. So when Edison and Tesla were competing for GE and Westinghouse. Yeah. Um, Little known fact, or actually it's a well-known fact. So Edison had this whole massive PR campaign where they were trying to make okay. direct or alternating current. Electrocuting you know, elephants. And everything. People. So what they couldn't do with direct current was it would build up pressure and it would need to ground itself. So all the streetcars in Brooklyn were ran off direct current. And if you're riding the streetcar, everybody can start to hear the hum of the buildup of electricity coming down the lines. 
so they would jump off the cars and run away so they didn't get electrocuted to death by grounding itself, and that's where the Brooklyn Dodgers came from. So, people dodging getting electrocuted to death from direct current. That's what it really? was. Yeah, yeah. Huh? That's yeah. crazy. Have you ever read the read the streetcars in San Francisco? I have not. One, the one I did, they actually had riceroni advertisements on them. I was just gonna say they remind me of right. It's the San Francisco treat. And you get on them, and there's literally two people driving them, and one of them, his whole job is to just manually brake in all the places he's supposed to. <laughs> there's this hefty dude with a handbrake in the middle of the train car, going down these hills and stuff, stopping it where it needs to stop. And well, how often do you think they have to replace the brakes on those things? I don't know. It's gotta be honest. And and how many people know how to do it? I mean, pull a lever. No, replace the brakes. It's not like you can take it to a Monarchy <laughs> muffler shop. <laughs> like I need to get the brakes replaced on this. What is it? Oh, Charles, you bring in the Rossaroni thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a good move. <laughs> so what are we doing here? What is this? Yeah, this is uh, my windshield time podcast. Oh, I only nice. record it uh, while behind the windshield. Only podcast in the world I know that is actually recorded behind an actual windshield in a commute every single day. I like it. Yeah, there's another guy that has a windshield time podcast that I started mine. Coincidentally, two weeks before he started his, and I got a message via the, the Anchor app uh, that I didn't realize it was there. I checked it from September. That he just said, so he goes, hey, just a courtesy, I'm uh, applying for a trademark to register windshield time, the same name of your podcast. And that's all he said. And then I checked, and he hasn't recorded a podcast since the first year. So Did he register it? I don't know. I don't know if he has or not. I know he didn't. People, when you start talking about, everybody talks about doing a podcast, but they don't realize how much work it is to do a podcast. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to do a good one as well. Just do one consistently. I've been doing this since last July, at least one to twice a week. And it's just like, some weeks I don't even feel like talking about stuff. Sometimes I'm like, oh, there's a story. Like, the last episode was the one I was telling about the story of Flying Dog I told you. And sometimes it's just, <laughs> you don't want to talk story. about it. Yeah. You gotta, uh, you gotta be careful. So trademarks, like you should probably get the podcast going before you worry about trademarking anything. But yeah, at least get a year. Did I tell you about what happened to us in uh, Europe, in Spain? No. We uh, so uh, for anybody doesn't know, this is Josh Springer uh, with bottoms up. Yeah, beer, yeah. beer that so, fills yeah. the bottom magically stops automatically by itself. Every just, glass yeah, has just, a hole in it. Just Google bottoms up beer. It's one of the coolest things you'll ever see in your life. Yeah. Hashtag bottoms up beer. Hashtag bottoms up beer. Um, anyway, so. We didn't have a lot of money. We don't. I mean, you know, we're bootstrapped. But um, we we were advised by our attorneys to not worry about filing trademarks in, in Europe because uh, we were co- covered by something called the Madrid Protocol, um, which basically means we ha- we were doing business. We have first right to the trademark in the market. Yada, so yada, you yada, planted blah, the flag. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we yeah. planted the flag, essentially. And... Um, we had talked to these people in Spain about them being our partner, and upon just discussion of a partnership, they decided they were going to go out and trademark bottoms up for all of Europe. Then they filed for all these trademarks, right? They got without them. telling you, without telling us, they got them. We decided that we didn't want them as a good partner; they just weren't a good fit. And they're like, "Well, we own your trademark in all of Europe, so you're you're fucked." And I'm like, "What?" Fuck you! And uh, so we started battling back and forth, and you know we built a very strong case, and it came all the way down to it. And uh, any, anyways, long story short, it cost us a lot of money. It's like close to eighty thousand dollars, and then I had to pay them ten thousand dollars for the trademark. 
to settle out of court. Because, oh, that sucks, because our attorneys were like, okay, you have a very strong case. There's a chance, there's a very small chance that they could win in court because of this, this, and this. And just set on it. Nothing you can do about it. Let's buy it from them. Yep. And we would have had to name it something else in Europe. Oh, that sucks. All dude. of Europe. Right? Um, so what we did, and we had, we did have the right to it via the Madrid protocol, but they didn't bother telling me, like, it's going to be a court battle to get it, right? Yeah. So, anyway, it's, I don't know, just a fun side story. Oh, that sucks, dude. Yeah. Well, we got, we, you know, we got it back, so. Man, anyway. That really does suck. Yeah, so Well, it's the fact that some money out of pocket, you gotta do it. It's just shitty. Yeah. Like, who does that? Somebody in, a shitty person, somebody in Spain? Is it Spanish people? I guess. What was their, uh, yeah, you gotta get into the details of who they were, but. It's all good. Yeah, yeah it's I'm pretty sure I signed an NDA when we yeah. settled, so. <laughs> It's one of those things you can't talk about. Yeah. That's what was weird to me about the guy we met today that was name-dropping famous people that he ran into <laughs> in Brentwood because that's the most unnatural thing. Josh and I are leaving the... We are driving back from Chicago to Indianapolis to his place from the Nashville, National Restaurant Association show. I like to say NRA. Yeah, the NRA it's show. Confusing. And... Uh, <laughs> In Chicago, which is just massive, massive, probably one of the biggest trade shows I've ever been to. Anything and everything having to do with restaurants. We ran into a dude from Brentwood, Tennessee. And, like, the, the, for folks that don't live in and around Nashville that may listen to this, when you, the, the unspoken rule in Nashville is regardless of how big a celebrity is or whatever, like you never approach them and you don't ever yeah, talk you about them. Yeah, you give them their space. And this dude right out of his mouth was talking about all the famous people that he's ran into in his neighborhood and how they all live <laughs> around there. I'm just telling Josh, like, Nashville's only so big. There's only, like, three neighborhoods the majority of the people live in. And in those neighborhoods, there's only one pizza place, one steakhouse, and one sushi joint. So you can go in and see where Dolly Parton eats sushi at on a regular <laughs> basis because there's two signed photos in there. Uh, yeah, it's just you just don't care, you know. And everybody I've noticed in country music is, like, a lot bigger, a lot smaller than you would think. Really? Like, Kenny Chesney, Dolly Parton. Of course, Dolly's tiny. Kenny Chesney, Dolly Parton. Uh, Keith Urban, uh, Brad Paisley are all kind of smaller folks. And then the other side is your uh, Trace Atkins of the world. Uh, 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 Alan Jackson are over like 6'5". You know? oh. But yeah. Do they put them side by side a lot? Like, like Grand Ole Opry? Like, I, think, I, don't, I think they try not to. They can't see my hand movements. Yeah. And I wonder if there's open. ever been a guy that's it's like little Jimmy Dickens is so small. Uh, you know, did he have like special guitars made that were smaller so it didn't make you look any smaller? You know, in, in comparison, like contrast. You always just played a ukulele just so the pictures made it look bigger. <laughs> you ever listen to any of stuff? No. I love it because he's a dude that just had him and Mike Snyder, two guys on the Opry, always had a lot of one liners. And little Jimmy Dickens, my favorite quote when everybody always asks, like, how you doing? And I always just think of his quote of, uh, as he got older, and he said, uh, people ask me, how you like it here? And he said, hell, at my age, I like it anywhere. <laughs> you know? They're like, how old are you, Jimmy? Well, I ain't gonna tell you how old I am. Let's just say I stopped buying green green uh, bananas. <laughs> That's <laughs> one of my fun. favorites. Yeah, he always had just a ton of one-liners. Little feller. But yeah, I love one-liner comedians. Oh, it's good, man. Like I was telling you, the Mitch Hedberg joke today. It still holds up. Oh, it's a great joke. Yeah, Mitch, Mitch Hedberg is great. Yeah, and there's other one just about the hard-to-reach plants. You ever heard that one? Uh-huh. It's like. Uh, yeah, I was watching overnight, and it was telling me, trying to sell me a thing to water my hard-to-reach plants. Now, who would put a plant in a hard-to-water place? 
I put it up on a ledge around a corner. I will just throw water at you. <laughs> still holds up. It still holds up. At least, I mean, the banana will always hold up. The escalator will hold up. Do you ever see that video? The the escalator's breaking and people just piling up at the bottom of them. No, because you know his joke is you know I love es- riding escalators. They just break down. They just become stairs. All right. There's videos online you can search them of escalators breaking and people just piling them just like speeding down the escalator and it piling up on the end of it. It's, oh, because it breaks. Yeah, it like yeah, starts it, sliding. Yeah, yeah. All it's like it comes off track and just comes piling down the stairs. So <laughs> yeah. Oh man, have you seen that video of the guy? He's clearly fucked up in Vegas, and he does at the top, the top of the escalator. He just jumps off it and does like a swan like thing. Like I don't know if he was gonna try to reach out and grab the handles at the bottom, but he doesn't. Oh no! Yeah, can you imagine landing face first on the escalator? Oh, stand? those edges are so sharp. So dude. sharp. I know. Oh, oh, that seems like a good idea. I never. I was never that risky when I was drinking. I was. I was. Ne- I never did like any risky. I know I shouldn't have been on a motorcycle or What's a... What's the dumbest thing you've done driving? Uh, that you can legally talk about? Man, I'm trying to think. I've done some pretty dumb stuff. But I've never... Dude, I was never the one to get, like, get aggressive or never yeah, start I've a never bar fight. All we just said is I've never been kicked out of a bar. I've been asked to leave a bunch of them. Because I was always the guy that like, you're right, I do need to leave. Let me close this tab out and I will walk out willingly. Like, Thank you for being observant, sir. You know, because I... I never, in my years of working security, it's one of the first jobs I got when I moved to Nashville, working security at an outdoor amphitheater there. And the first show I ever watched with, worked was like a 12-hour Ozfest with like Primus, System of a Down, Slipknot. I mean, That's all during the show. day in like 90-degree weather where people were just power drinking, passed out on the lawn. And this amphitheater, on the sides of the grass, up on the right and left, they had real steep embankments. Yeah. They didn't slope it good enough. So it started raining later on, and people were just lining up, sliding down this embankment. And I remember the head of security came out, and he was like, yeah, y'all need to go out there and stop them. I'm like, nope. I'm, I don't. That's somebody else's thing, man. I'll walk out there, and I just stood at the bottom of the hill. like, <laughs> watch them slide back down. That's the same guy that, like, a night or two later, somebody pulled a knife. And I didn't know about it to the next show, and he got gathered all the security up for the talking for the next show, and he goes, uh, hey, uh, just let everybody know, or meaning blah, blah, blah. We had a guy pull a knife last night, and uh, I just wanted to make sure everybody knows what to do when they have somebody pull a knife. And I'm standing there like, I, I, I'm going to regret You take your belt off, and you catch their wrists if they come at you. That's not the right answer. Oh. Uh, he goes, uh, some guy raised his hand. He said, uh, try tackling to get it from him said, uh, no, that is not the right answer. You get the fuck away. You are all making six eighty an hour. I'm making sixty-five grand an hour. I am not going to approach him at sixty-five grand an hour. You're going to wait till a police officer shows up. You get everyone away, and you get away. That's what you're supposed to I was just like, Woo! Dodge the bullet there. Because I was not going to be approaching a guy for a knife for six eighty an hour. Right answer. Yeah. They never tell you about the time I, when I was bouncing at the strip club, and uh, I, I, uh, we, you get there at like seven at night, and we got there and we opened, and there was this is when I had a Razor flip phone, and good phone for, for the iPhone, it was a really good phone, and uh, so 
so one of the coolest like guys I ever worked for was the owner of the strip club. Very, very professional. I remember my first day, he's like, hey man, you know, there's no fraternizing with the girls. I'm like, dude, I don't do that at my other jobs. I'm not going to do it here. It's not why I work here. This is a gig. I get paid. I go home. And that was the case. And uh, so one night, the manager he had there, Andrew Sorrels is his name. One of the coolest dudes I ever met, worked with. Andrew's so cool. We did a great job. So we had this guy come in as soon as we opened. A larger black guy. Drank a pint of whiskey while he was there. Hung out for 30, 40 minutes, and he left. And this strip club, you could, uh, you could, when you paid for your entry, you got like a wristband or a hand stamp, and you could come back in later if you wanted to. So this dude drinks his whiskey and leaves. And when he leaves, one of the other bouncers comes up and he said, Hey man, you know who that was? I'm like, Random black guy with missing two front teeth to drink whiskey? I don't know. And he's like, That was Oliver McCall. I'm like, I looked at him like, all right, who's Oliver McCall? He goes, they call him the crying champion, man. Search him. I had my Razor cell phone. I was able to get some internet. Search him. And this dude was in a fight in London. Heavyweight boxer with Lennox Lewis. And just gave up halfway through like the first or second round. Just broke down in the ring and just didn't want to fight anymore. Really? Just stopped his career. And I was just like, oh, wow, man. So fast forward two hours. Oliver shows back up. Hammered. And he comes in and he starts going table to table, kind of making, just talking shit to people, and it just, and it was one of those situations where he was just harassing people, and I'm like, it just made me sick to, in my stomach, because this is a guy that is trained to punch people in the face and hurt them permanently, people a lot larger than me. Yeah. And even though he may not be in fighting shape... Lennox Lewis is a monster. Yes. I just... All I had a vision was, even if all five of us, security and the manager, have to address this, it's not going to be good. Yeah. A grazing punch from a heavyweight boxer that Somebody's knows how to punch... Hurt. It's... Yeah, there's no... It didn't make me feel... I, one, I was never like a guy that I feel like I could take anybody. My job was a deterrent. Yeah. I wore a white button-down shirt You're with a, cooler. A, a pink logo, a cowboy hat, and boots. That was the... That was, and you can't fight good in cowboy boots. No. Ever. Worst thing to ever fight in. If, if it's a gunfight, maybe. But a fist <laughs> fight and you're in cowboy boots and somebody else is barefooted or in flip-flops, you're going you're gonna to get taken advantage of. <laughs> but thankfully, Andrew, the manager, came out and talked to him and smoothed everything over and asked him to leave. And he left and all was cool. But that was very uncomfortable for a while. I mean, even... The times when I did have to get, we had to get physical with people working security. That's never fun. No, not I, at all. I hate doing that shit. Uh, the, the comedy club. You'd be well, you maybe wouldn't be surprised how many people have to be kicked out of a comedy club. It's crazy. Have you had to like deal with that? Uh, I accidentally involvement. Like, so I did a. Uh, it was two weekends ago. I was emceeing, and this couple in back was just. They were having a good old time. Thought they were being part of the show which drunk people really like to think. And I come off stage, and I come around the back, and just as a courtesy, I'm like, hey, can you guys please um, just keep it down a little bit? It's very loud and distracting for the people around you and the comedian on stage. And he said, well, maybe if the comedian was a little funnier. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that, was, that was me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, we won't be quiet. And I'm like, well, we're going to have to ask you to leave. So um, I... How many people were in the room? Uh, 
40 maybe. Okay. It was a smaller crowd. Yeah. But um, I go into the kitchen and told the you know the the GM I'm like, hey, we might have to ask these people to leave. They're getting you know they're getting lippy and loud. Hoping they would have you know settled down after I left. But instead of settling down after I left, this gentleman decides that he's going to take it upon himself to get up and go tell the hostess that if that guy comes back over to his table, he's going to punch him out. All right. So the hostess is like, uh, you have to leave now. Yeah. And then he gets, I mean, it just starts going side, more and more sideways. And he just... You mean unrational God didn't automatically become rational? No, he didn't. But thankfully there was, the, the group always has that one person that is yes. like, you know, get out. So the one guy starts rounding him up. The two girls start crying in the lobby because it was one of their birthdays. Dude, at the strip club, I, I, I always just go to a friend. <laughs> I never had an issue where you couldn't go to a friend like, hey man. Your buddy's puking over here, blah, blah, blah. All right, dude, we're out. Yeah. We're out. We're good. We're good. Sorry, man. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, this yeah. guy... That's what a friend does, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this guy's trying to pay the bill, and this fucking knucklehead, affliction-wearing, uh, what's that? Dude, bro. Uh, uh, bedazzled back pocket. Guy. Oh, no. Yeah. Did he have the bedazzled cross? Yes. That's my favorite. Yeah, well, fluid allure, or uh, yeah, yeah. whatever it's called. On the back pocket, dude. I swear, man. And uh, oh my god, he, he kept coming. His friends like get out of here, and he kept coming back. He's like, I'm not leaving here, and he just stand there and. And we do the weeble wobble. Yeah. He's trying to go from toe to heel, toe yeah. to heel. Yeah, he was doing that, <laughs> but he just looked like he was ready to throw a punch. Yeah, you know what? He, he had a punch ready, and I just I didn't instigate any further. Yeah. He told me he's Sorry, like he's, he's like keep looking, keep looking stupid, keep looking stupid, and I was like I can't help. Him. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, I bet you can't. And I'm like, I know, I just said that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then it's just low-hanging fruit. You're Get like, the there's, no point, there's no point, yeah. there's no point, there's no point. All right, back away, back away. Yeah. No, it's too easy, it's too easy. It's punching down, you know. <laughs> so, That's funny. Uh, yeah, I worked at a, uh, worked security for a Limp Biscuit concert once at the arena. <laughs> and this dude what happened it. to Limp Biscuit? They just They're still out there, dude. Still really? touring. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched that. I went back and watched that. Uh, you talk about a shit show. Go back and watch their performance from that disastrous uh, Woodstock thing that just was fire oh, and was... all that. Oh, God. It's such a disaster. Like, Fred Durst comes out, and there's like three minutes he's on mic that he doesn't even think his microphone's on because it's such a shit show. The whole thing is such a shit show. Yeah. He doesn't think his mic's on because of how loud and running this is. Oh, yeah. Is. Just because the, the whole thing is just thrown together, you know? Uh. Just such a disaster, you know. Weren't they charging like eight dollars for a bottle of water? I think so. And that man. was in the nineties, wasn't it? Yeah, that's like that's like the Great White Fire. It's just everybody, everything changed after that. Yeah, like Great White Fire. I I dated this girl in a country band one time that her drummer, uh, that went down to Georgia. She had lighter uh, drumsticks, or she had drumsticks, and she would had dipped in like PGA or rubbing alcohol. She'd light on fire. Yeah. And they'd kill the lights, and she would play her drum solo. To, they went down to Georgia with it. And people would get really weird about that then. Even though she had like a bucket of water and it was just two sticks. But people would get weird because of the great white thing that went down there. Yeah, how many people died in that? That, that was crazy. <laughs> a lot, man. It was weird as everybody thought it was part of the show. That's what was weird about it, you know? Have you ever seen that video of great white playing at the uh, the hockey arena to like 25 people with the lights on? Uh-uh. It's very uncomfortable. Because <laughs> they're like in this hockey arena, like minor league hockey arena. And it's like after the game. Somebody thought it'd be good to put a stage on the ice. No, it's a. Uh, it's there's not even a game going on. It's just on the concrete. There's a stage, and it's like full lights on. There's like 30 people and like kids playing in the background, and they're like playing to like maybe 25, 30 people. It's the most <laughs> uncomfortable show to watch. 
Which is kind of like if you were watching Eddie Money show today. <laughs> He's still out there doing it. He man. is. Uh, the, he was. He just sort of had a cameo. Oh, on uh, God, what what show is that? The Pete Holmes show, I think. I don't watch Possibly. any of the Pete Holmes show. Oh, it's great. It's one of those ones where I haven't had a chance. I'm, I'm very limited on the new shows I can pick up. Oh, yeah. no, it wasn't Pete Holmes. It's, uh, it's a different show. Uh, yeah. Oh, there's Loves. This is my truck stop of choice. Loves. I, I thought when I first moved here, I thought those were uh, porn shops. That which could be. It's yeah. not, but I'm like, man, there's a lot of these porn shops. What's yeah. going on here? We got the lines in up here is the one that's on every other exit. <laughs> Even with the internet, the porn shop's still making it, dude. They're just like bucking all trends. Truckers need love, I guess. You think it's know. just truckers? I don't know. Yeah. But they're always off an interstate. Which is weird, right? Yeah. What is that? Is this people on a road trip? It's like, hey, I'll pull over and grab some lube. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to Chicago. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's always fun to stop and look around. It's like, what's, 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 I like about loves is you can buy gifts for your sweetheart, just in case. <laughs> and, um, and they have their own private label beef jerky. Do they? It's phenomenal. It's like hardtack, though. It's like really dried out. It's not like the oily, you know, Jack Link's kind. It's like, <laughs> You could leave. You could find underneath your car like six weeks later, and it's still just fine. Because <laughs> it's just really dried out, thin strips of beef. You got to chew on a little bit, but the flavor's phenomenal. Isn't that crazy? How long beef jerky will last? Oh yeah, dude. I mean, Did you ever watch Into the Wild? The movie? Oh, that he deserved to die. Y- yeah, I don't I, think he deserved, but that's just nature. That's just life. The bus just maybe belonged he didn't deserve. It. To if the die. bus hadn't been there, it would just happened a lot quicker. You know. Nature, there would just been a wolf or something just would have ate him afterwards. I have a shirt. I have a friend that was like, oh, my God, Into the Wild was the most amazing movie I've ever seen. I'm like, what do you mean the spoiled rich kid that went to Alaska and, and died? Because his parents didn't tell him that they were married before or something? It was it's something such a dumb. trivial, such a twi- trivial white people problem yeah. thing. That was pre-millennial, by the way, right? Yeah, I know, dude. So but- they've always existed. Some Somebody... Oh, uh, I wanted to say that I have an Alaska or bus shirt. Oh, okay. Because of Alaska or bus. It says Alaska or bus. Oh, you know, I don't know like, if it's Alaska or bus would be funnier. <laughs> but people were saying um, millennials, millennials, like bitching about millennials. Every generation has their version of millennials, right? Everybody thinks that the next generation had it better or they're weaker because yeah. of it. But who do you think raised the next generation? Yeah, exactly. Who's the previous one? You're Kids the one that just keep perpetuating and making it Kids easier. Kids got it easy. They don't have to deal with polio. <laughs> exactly. Bitch kids. Yeah, make them pay for it, bro. <laughs> you know? They have to deal with measles. I saw a comic the other day was, uh, yeah, the grandfather telling his grandkid, like, yeah, back in my day, we had to deal with white, supremi- white supremacists white supremacy and measles. <laughs> and the little kid was like, I'm not sure if I should tell him. <laughs> yeah. What was I going to say about Love's Truck Stop? Oh, I was thinking on the way up here, man. So, uh, we were talking earlier about being married. Max wife, all her family is from an hour north of Bowling Green in a little crossroads town called Short Creek, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And it got me thinking about my ex-father-in-law. Glenn Tilford was his name. And Glenn was the county judge of his county, which he lost a lot of lifelong friends when he decided to get into politics because everybody had to pick a side. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but Glenn was a trip, dude. Uh, he's now since passed away, but Glenn, they lived in this little crossroads town, and Glenn was the youngest person retired from public service in Kentucky because they counted his time in the Navy um, or in the military. He went in when he was 17. He retired when he was like 48. Damn. And uh, after that, he ran for office, and then he did some stuff for the state parks where him and Max's mother in law went and traveled around. But um, Glenn was a, 
it was a trip, man. We used to go to the casino and hang out. And his brother, or his uh, nephew, Gordon, used to have these poker games at his house with just family, like Glenn, myself, Glenn's brother, um, and like a few other family members. And uh, you ever played Bluff or Guts? No. Where, um, like, everybody Annie's in like a dollar. And you, you can play either two, three, four, or five card. If you play four card, you, if you decide to go, you get a fifth card. But Bluff is, everybody gets two cards. Bluff or Guts, you call it. Everybody gets two cards. And then you start with the person that dealt, and they either say go or not. If you say go, that means you think your hand can beat everybody else's. If somebody else says go, the loser of those two has to match the pot, and the winner drags the pot. So if there's $6 in, if you say go, and you have a pair of twos and spend a pair of fives, you lose, you gotta match the pot. And the pot keeps going until somebody goes without being contested. So uh, when I were playing a poker game there, and I'm getting, we're playing three card guts or bluff, and I ended up getting like a pair of jacks, and the pot was up to like 50, 75 bucks. I mean, a decent amount of money for Kentucky. And, um, I ended up like, ah, that sounds I like go. a fun game. Oh, it's a great game, dude. It just rolls on itself and it builds yeah. to the pot gets so big that then you have a good hand. You're like, well, this was a good hand when it was $8, but I don't know if it's a good hand when it's $108. So, uh, and then I remember his brother, uh, I ended up going and I'm all confident, but his brother flipped over like trip twos. So what's the chances of getting trips to somebody that's got a pair of jacks? It was just, <laughs> and that night was over, I think it was over Memorial Day or Labor Day weekend. So we're about two miles north of Short Creek, Kentucky, uh, near Rough River State Park. And uh, so Glenn was older, of course, I mean, older fella. He couldn't really see that well at night. And to get to his house, you had to go to the four-way. We are coming from the lake. You had to get to the four-way at his tent at the little, there was like a little stop sign there at Short Creek, Kentucky. And then you take a left. And literally, you take a left and an eighth of a mile on the right was Glenn's house. I mean, it's a house that grew up right across the street from his parents' house. And his brother lived up on the hill. I mean, we're right there. So we're coming down the hill to this four-way on Memorial Day. We've been playing cards. It's about one o'clock, about midnight, one o'clock. And we come over this hill and they got a roadblock set up. And Glenn was retired Kentucky State Trooper. And I just like, oh, no. He goes, what is it? And I'm like, well, I mean, I wasn't hammered. I had like five or six beers over the course of the night. But I don't, I don't know what's, you know, that's the reason why I have these roadblocks set up. So we come down the hill. Of course, they pull me over. And the guy, officers, you know, shines a lot. He's like, you anything to drink? I'm like, yeah, I had a couple beers earlier. You know, and he goes, uh, I'm going to need you to step out of the car. Yeah, the answer is always no. Yeah. And, uh, well, I mean, I got a Kentucky State Trooper former with me, and I'm just trying to be honest here, you know. I don't know what the protocol is. But uh, he comes up, and he, well, he gets my ID, comes back, and then he goes to get me out of the car, and Glenn goes, uh, what's your badge number? What's your name? What's your badge number? And I'm just like, all right, let's just, let's, uh, you know, and Glenn's being more and more persistent, getting irritated with the guy. And uh, he gets me out and do the stupid human tricks, and, uh, and you know, has me stand in front of the car, and Glenn, at this point, is getting he's getting really irritated. Finally, he calls a guy back there and he goes, "What's your name and what's your badge number?" And he's like, "I'm so and so, whatever." And then another officer is at the roadblock. He comes walking back because he hears Glenn raising his voice at him, and he leans in the car and the guy goes, "Glenn?" He's like, "Yeah." And it was Glenn's longtime partner's son was there at the roadblock, and he goes, "Glenn, uh, he thinks uh, he, he's under the influence and can't drive." He goes, who is this? He goes, that's my son-in-law. And he goes, that's your son-in-law? He goes, yeah. And the guy pulled cop number one off to the side. 
and he comes back and he goes, Glenn, can you drive? And he's like, yeah. I mean, literally, I could have ran this time to Glenn's house. He goes, yeah, I can drive. He goes, all right, y'all get on out of here. And I got in the passenger seat and Glenn literally went down, drove 500 feet, took a left, went down an eighth of a mile and right there. We could see the lights from his house. And the next day, and he's like, ah, oh, they wanted to take you down to the Hooskow last night. And I was just like, yeah, dodged a bullet there. And my ex-wife was like, how many beers do you have? I'm like, I had like five over the course of like six hours of time we were there. Didn't think anything. It was, it was Bush Light. No, Keystone Light. Yeah. That area is big Keystone Light, people. But uh, Glenn was awesome, dude. He always had great stories. I asked him what's, because uh, they always had to go surf warrants in like this rural-ass Kentucky where they're at, Western Kentucky. And I was like, uh, we got because he always drank. I always brought him beer. And my ex, my mother-in-law and ex-wife used to get pissed at me because we would set up and you know I was in my twenties and I would town beers and he's in like in his sixties and seventies keep up with me beer for beer and then he would he'd get ugly after a while and like I he enjoys it we have good conversation you know he's quiet the rest of the time but um, he passed away a few years ago and uh, I just it, he I remember him telling me because we were talking about moonshine and shit and I'm like what's the best moonshine you ever had he goes well. We went to this guy's house to issue a, to serve a warrant. And went in and hit three or four jugs of moonshine sitting around the side <laughs> of his chair. He said, uh, let's just say not all of it made it back to the station. <laughs> just like, he goes, I couldn't go back and get more. That's so great. But he told me this really weird-ass story about uh, they went to a house. I don't remember what the call was they went to the house for. It was out in the sticks of Kentucky. And the son, the teenage son, he said, had been practicing witchcraft or devil worship or something. And he just said the whole time that him and his partner were at this house, it was just weird. The whole scene was just weird. And it just was really uncomfortable. And he remembers vividly that there was like a stack of vinyls that... Uh, I'm taking you to Fat Dance, by the way. What's Fat Dance? Great restaurant. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, let's do it. But he said that you could set a vinyl record on the top of this stack of vinyls you look at. He said he remembers picking one up, looking at it, sitting on the top of it, walking across the room, being the only person in coming back and there being a different album up on top. Say that again? He said there was just weird shit that happened while they were there <laughs> that nobody could explain. <clears throat> one of them was... What's the you, devil worship? You could take this album on the top and, you know, he was rifling through it and shuffled through them and put it down into the stack came back, he's the only person in the room, came back across the room, and there was a, that album had made it back up to the top of the stack. That's crazy. That's crazy. And this is a dude that's like, he's not into that scene, and he's seen enough stuff, or whatever. My favorite comment that he said about that time that he kept me from going to jail was, uh, you know, back in my day, somebody was either drunk or they weren't, and I don't think you were drunk. <laughs> and then he said, you just show up. There was no test. It was like you could tell whether they were drunk or not. You know, and I just I always loved that. Just that was his that was his test. They were drunk or they weren't. Well, it was way different back in the day. Oh, of course, cars were more hardier than too. Yeah, it, my I remember my dad has a good story about how uh, his friend Mark got pulled over, and the cops like, do you have a sober friend that can come or a friend that can come get you? Mark calls my dad. My dad comes raging up, fucking crashes the car into a telephone pole behind Mark. And then the cop has to decide which one is soberest to oh. get to drive Mark's car back because my dad's car's wrecked. Did you ever have anybody that a cop followed him home? I'll just follow you home, make sure you get there safe. That happened to my dad when I was a kid. Really? Yeah. My dad yeah. Well, my dad was rowdy. He also uh, came home drunk from the bar, plowed 
broadside of the neighbor's car in the neighbor's driveway, backed out and then pulled into our driveway. We got a cop knocking on our door in the morning. And <laughs> the cop's like, um, we're pretty sure you ran into the neighbor's car last night. <laughs> what was your question earlier about the dumbest thing I ever did when I was drinking? Yeah. And it just reminded me of this story. <laughs> so I used to live about a block from Vanderbilt's campus. And if you pull out of my driveway where I live with my buddy David, pull out of my driveway and you go right to the end of the block, there was a park there. If you could go right through that park, it connected to another, my street extended over to the back side of this sports bar. Another block on the other side. Of so I literally, I pull out of my driveway, I had to go right, left, left, right, and I'm right there at the bar. So I go there and it was actually buddy, the night my buddy Mike um, met his ex-girlfriend, I think. But uh, anyway, so we're there and we're playing gold tea, hammered, drinking, and I drive. I drove a four-door Dodge Neon because I knew exactly what the chicks like. <laughs> and I'm not glorifying the story, and it's dumb as hell what I did, but it's the weird irony of the story. <clears throat> so this four-door Dodge Neon was a five-speed, and all I had to do was pull out this parking lot and go left, right, right, left, and I'm at my place. So I go around, make all the way around the park, and I admit, you know, 11, 12 at night. And all I do is make this last left, go down a half a block, and then left is my driveway. I'm there. I'm right there. But I go around this corner, and I cut it too wide, and I sideswipe like three cars on my street on the way into, on the way down to my house. <laughs> and, I, and I sideswipe, and it's on the right side of my car, and it flattens the tire. And I just drive on down to my house, and it's like 1 o'clock, pull in, and when you pull in my driveway, I pulled up closest to the bushes on the right so you couldn't see the side of the car. But I knew the car's messed up. I'm hammered, go inside, and I wake up the next day, and it's hot out. The sun's up full, and I'm hungover. Feel God awful. And I look out the window, and there's a Metro police car sitting behind my car in the driveway. He's sitting on the street, so he's at a right angle to my car, and I'm like, I've had a good run. <laughs> this is it. This is it, man. And I'm like, I don't want to go to jail. I've never been in jail before at this point. This sucks. Finally, I work up enough gumption to go out and like, just kind of face the music, bro. I walk out there. He's on the phone in his car. And I just stand there all awkward in the heat, trying to act like I'm not just parched and hung over and just break a booze. And just feel like shit. <clears throat> Finally gets off the phone and he rolls down the window. And I'm standing there. I'm like, over, or he turns his head, looks at me, and he goes, is this your car? And he points to the car in front of him, and that's my roommate's car. And I go, no, that's my roommate's car. He goes, well, he's parked the wrong direction. I'm going to have to write him a ticket. And I'm like, you got to do what you got to do, bro. <laughs> I'll let him know next time to park the point in the right direction. He goes, yeah, we got a lot of calls up and down this street, and that's just, it's against the law. Like, <laughs> okay. Did you ever go look at the damage you caused? Uh, no. I, I changed my flat tire, drove the car to the brewery, and parked it in a vacant parking lot across the street for about five months until it got the window smashed out of it twice. And the second time, I just put it on Craigslist for $500, the first person to come and get it. <laughs> Some dude rolled up, and I'm like, he, um, and I put my cell number on that Craigslist ad best negotiating tactic ever. So when he's like, man, would you take 300? And I held up my phone just like ringing nonstop of other people wanting to come and get in. I'm like, 
or I can just pick up this phone call. He goes, all right, I'll take it. And he sent me a text like a week later. Man, there's a lot more damage than what you said. Like, I didn't say there was any damage at all. I'm just saying the fender was bashed in and it's 500 bucks. Blue book on the car was like 1800 bro. You got a little leeway there for this Dodge Neon. But yeah. That's so stupid, dude. <laughs> I didn't say I've been smart. I've been lucky. I've been very fortunate. Now, I'm just like, dude, you have no excuse with, excuse with Uber and Lyft. Yeah, man. Damn, we were just fucking idiots, man. Especially me driving the beer van around. I just had carte blanche with that. I, so the dumbest thing I've ever done drinking is driving. Oh, of course. Yeah. I, I fuck, I, we used to party out in Wishka, and I, one eye at home. Like, where you have to cover it on. Oh, yeah. Stay between the Roll down the window till your yeah. arm goes numb because it's so cold to stay awake. One time I accidentally drove to the wrong town by trying to go home. I missed a turn and drove 30 minutes the wrong way and then had to turn around and make my way back. I've done awful. that pulling a boat before. Drunk? Yeah. Me and my cousin <laughs> used to take his boat down to Normandy Lake, south of Nashville, toward Bonnaroo. And he, he drives truck for a living, so the limit for CDLs is low. It's so he could right Yeah, he, he can't get any. He couldn't get any of that. <clears throat> so I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'll be your Huckleberry. So I remember him and I driving around one night, and all we had to do was take like two turns to make it back to Interstate. We kept missing turns. <laughs> kept missing turns, and we ended up like 50 miles out of the way in the middle of the night. Drive around listening to Billy Ray Cyrus' Sun Gay Ball tape. Yeah, you too. With the windows down, pulling his boat. <clears throat> so that was his second boat. First boat he got was a John boat, flat boat, aluminum John boat. And there was this creek down from his uh, from his house because I moved out here and lived with him for a month before I got my own place. And uh, so there was this creek, Elam's Mill, down the road from his house that we would take the motor off his John boat and we would just take it and set it in this creek and then it had paddles on both sides and you could just row up this creek before we fished. So we took about, you know, 12, 18 pack of old Milwaukee's best with us and we get up there and we paddle up this creek and we're fishing, drinking, fishing, drinking. Finally, we run out of beer and there's this bar down the street called Crazy Jays. And uh, there's all, if you got there on Saturday nights, there's this lady that was grading her Sunday school homework for this next day at the bar. <laughs> she was a bartender and they sold fireworks there. And they had pickled eggs at the bar. That sounds like a great place. Oh yeah, Crazy Jays is weird. Every once in a while you look up playing pool and the owner would be outside the window looking at you through the window. It's the weirdest <laughs> thing. <clears throat> so we're on Elam's Mill. We're back there and we're drinking before we go to Crazy Jays. And finally he's like, man, we ain't catch anything. Let's just get out of here. So I'm like, alright. I just start paddling my ass off. And dude, bam! We run into a rock, damn near threw his boat up, both out of the boat. I mean, just slammed right to a dead stop. And I was like, dude, what was it? He's at the front of the boat looking around. I'm looking around the other side. I mean, literally about knocked us completely out of the boat. Come to a sudden stop. And we looked around, and he's the front, and he's like, there's no rock or anything. Dude, we run across. What is it? Look at the back of the boat. The line to the anchor is as tight as it can be. <laughs> <laughs> didn't even pull the anchor up and I just started paddling like an asshole trying to get out of there and just finally just pulled enough slack where it just slammed it shut and about took us out of there yeah my cousin's a dumbass but he's the one he's the one I'm not sure I'll tell you that ran away from home ended up in middle Tennessee that's how I ended up moving out here Wait, sorry, so I'm trying to know. He was dating a girl in our hometown, and he started messing around with her older sister. <laughs> her older sister already had two kids from two different babies' daddies. 
and he he worked in the watermelon fields, harvesting watermelons <laughs> and everything back home. And uh, she, the older sister, she uh, he started messing around with her, and he had a party at his house. And his uncle on his mom's side showed up at the party while his parents were out of town, and said, uh, "All y'all need to go home. And when your dad gets back in town, I'm going to tell him about this party." And my cousin did not want to face the music, so he went and got his last paycheck the next day, cashed it, and him and the older sister uh, took off. She left her kids with her mom and dad. They took off, and he's like 16 years old. Ended up in Daytona Beach, Florida. She was working at a Burger King. Of course, that relationship didn't work out. Shocker. Working at a, a Burger King, and he's homeless, living on the beach. He'd keep his stuff in a hefty bag in the bottom of a trash can. End up meeting a couple other homeless boys around there. And one day, they're out roaming up and down the beach and meet these teenage girls. And the girls are down there with their family on vacation from Florida. And uh, they end up talking with them, hitting it off, blah, blah, blah. And they end up telling their mom and dad about it. And their mom and dad met them and said, hey, you know, when we go back to Georgia, we got enough room. You can come back and live with us uh, if you want. And because, uh, you know, you're homeless, didn't have any shoes or anything. And, uh, they said, but first you need to call your family back in Arkansas and let them know you're okay. And he called my grandmother and then got in contact with his dad and come to find out his biological mom lived in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And these people paid for him to get a bus ride up to live with his mom in Murfreesboro. And uh, she was living with her boyfriend. And of course that didn't work out. She ended up bailing and he lived with her boyfriend for a little while. Long story short here, I moved in with him. He'd done a tour in uh, the Gulf War, came back. <clears throat> I just dropped the family business, moved out there with him. I lived with him for 30 days, got a job with Pepsi, putting Pepsi on the shelf. Got my own apartment, and I called him. I said, hey, man, uh, I went and bought this couch. Could you help me move it into my new apartment? And he's like, yeah, man, a sleeper sofa, second level. So we'd go to my apartment, and uh, or we'd go pick up this couch, and we'd go to drop it off my apartment. we carry it up there, put it in the, ca- in the living room. And he said, man, you're not going to believe this. But not only did you move into the same apartment complex where my first apartment was when I moved into this town, you moved into the exact same apartment. Crazy. And I said, no way, dude. He goes, look at the door jam here. One time I passed out drunk on the phone with my high school girlfriend, and she thought something was wrong, and her dad kicked in the door to make sure I was all right. And I had to glue it all back together. And I was like, no way, dude. Out of all the places in all of Murfreesboro, I moved into That's the exact crazy. same apartment. Wow. Yeah. So I was working for Pepsi. So, where's this place we're going? Just up the road here. What's the name of it? Fat Bands. What are they known for? They're awesome Chicago-style food. I figured really? since we didn't get any food in <sighs> Chicago. Nice. And you wanted an Italian beef, they make a badass Italian beef. Uh, there's zero places in Nashville that make an Italian beef that worth that you don't want to just throw out the window. No, this, this is the shit. Yeah, there's certain things like that good, hearty Midwestern food we don't have in Nashville. We have good Southern food, and that's great. I've always but, thought that was weird. I know, it's a difference. I, I find that weird. Where's the line? You know, like, where is the Kentucky. Line? Is it? Kentucky, yeah. Like, halfway between Bowling Green and Louisville. I haven't found any good, hearty uh, Midwestern food in Bowling Green. Huh. Yeah, I think it's still a little part of it. But, yeah, Louisville, halfway between those two, where you don't get it. So, we're cool. Signing off. I hope you all have enjoyed the ride. This is about the longest show I've had in a while. Peace. More, more, more F-bombs than anything. That's all I got. Y'all enjoy the ride, signing off windshield time again.